Good morning, everybody. My name is Stephen. If you're new here, I'm the lead pastor. It's good to have each of you here. We're wrapping up a series called My Life is a Mess. My life is a mess. This is the last week, so at the end of this, um, everyone's lives will be perfect and perfectly cleaned up, right? Nope? Okay. We'll just keep applying what we've learned then. So what is the last movie that made you cry or the last TV show? For me, I can think of a couple. Uh, There was the first episode of Parenthood. You're watching it. There's this scene where one of the dads says to his dad, there's something wrong with my son. And that line just like hit me. I'm sitting there watching Netflix by myself. Tears are filling my eyes. So whether it's Parenthood or Toy Story 3, right? Um, two for me, I can think of at least two episodes of How I Met Your Mother. Okay, a couple tears coming in there. Uh, Twilight, all right? A couple of the other popular ones. Whatever it might be for you. Our emotions are strong. Sadness, sorrow, joy, happiness, fear, anger, We could go through the list, and depending on who you ask uh, or what study you look at, there's different amounts of emotions, or people try to classify all of the emotions, like there's only four, there's eight, or uh, well, there's 16 if you combine it this way. Lots of people have different things to say about our emotions. In the church, uh, oftentimes, emotions are something that we just try to downplay. We say, well, we don't respond emotionally. Some of you grew up in an environment where if somebody just went to church and that was their perspective of God, then you would say, God is not emotional because you watched people in church week after week. Music would happen, they'd stay standing. Worship would happen or preaching, they'd stay standing. Right? We call them Presbyterians, right? And then just no emotion. Others, if you grew up in a, in, a, in, a, in a culture or a church context where you would come in and people would say, oh, that's just emotionalism. I mean, everything was emotion and every sermon ended with a woo. And you were walking out on an emotional high, right? And that's how you knew it was church <laughs> because you left out feeling emotional, happy, glad. Or, so the, the preacher ended like that or the song ended like that. So that you would have that emotional feeling. And and other people look in and say, oh, no, 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 that's that's emotionalism. That's not Christianity. Which one's right? Which one's wrong? How do we see the right and the wrong in them? What does the scripture say about our emotions? Emotions are, in, in many ways, what makes us feel alive. The joy of the last class and it's summer break, right? The excitement of the, the new business deal or the new plan or, or the pending vacation, the sorrow of loss. I mean, these, in these moments, it's what we know. It's how we know we're human. Some of us, our emotions are a mess because we're not even in touch with them anymore. Instead of expressing them, we learn to suppress them. Others of us, our emotions are a mess because they literally dictate everything. And we feel something and we respond. 
sometimes in the good, sometimes in the bad. Of course, modern psychology, modern thought has much to say about our emotions. And in many ways in the church, what we've done is we've just taken the entire concept of emotion, given it to secularists and say, hey, you handle this. I mean, if emotions are what make us feel alive, doesn't the God who, according to Isaiah 44, made us and help us, doesn't he have to have something to say about them? He does. So this morning, what I want to try and do is talk about what the scriptures say about our emotions. And it starts with this premise that according to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, you and I are made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God, not because we look like him, but because like God, we have spirit and soul. And when you look in the scriptures, it seems, it indicates that our emotions come from our soul. And it is said of God's soul in Jeremiah that he desired, that he delighted. In Exodus, that he was jealous. These are emotions. Our heavenly father is emotional. Of Jesus, we see him weeping. His biggest encouragement to people was, don't be afraid. Don't let that emotion of fear drive you. He was called a man of sorrows. An emotion. We have the Holy Spirit, who in uh, Ephesians 4, it said, knew deep pain. Who in James 4 says that he was desirous and jealous. Who in Romans 8 said he knew and knows deep utterings. Emotions. So we have a heavenly father who made us who's emotional. We have a, a, a savior who redeemed us, who's emotional. We have a Holy Spirit who is within us, who is emotional. We are emotional beings. And the God of creation who made you and knows you has much to say about our emotions. There are probably some of us in here who would classify our lives by a certain emotion right now. To my life is sadness. My life is joy. My life is fear. My life is excitement. I mean, certain emotions that in certain seasons and certain times, they're like all that we know. I talked about, I preached on thoughts two weeks ago. And here's one of the things we all know about thoughts, that when you're thinking something, typically, over time, what we can do is we can do what? We can train ourselves to just not think about it anymore. We're pretty good at that. I mean, it might take a little while, but eventually, when our mind goes to a certain thought, we say, I don't think about that anymore, I'm going to think about this. But what do we know is true of our emotions? Oh, it's so much harder to say, oh, I'm just not going to feel that anymore. In fact, it almost works the opposite. The more we say, don't feel this, it's like the more we feel it. Particularly those emotions of sadness or hurt or loss or anger. Sometimes we hear petty remarks on, on what to do with it. Well, just don't let it dictate you. Do you 
think I like this? Or uh, we look at people and we try to say, well, 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 just stop being angry. Just stop being sad. And then it doesn't work either. So what do we do knowing that we're made emotional, that we have a God who is emotional? How does the gospel inform our perspective on our emotions? We're going to look at a passage of scripture right at the beginning because God deals with this idea of emotions right at the beginning, like really early in. Genesis chapter 4. We're going to see here a story of a type, Cain. Cain is the first man born of the womb. Adam and Eve were formed by God. Cain is the first one who's born like the rest of us. And we're going to see what happens in his relationship with his brother. In fact, you could say that what we're seeing here is the first um, human-on-human sin. And you know what it's driven by? (laughs) Emotion. How many sins have occurred since then driven by the exact same thing? You're going to see here that emotion leads, uh, this unchecked emotion will eventually manifest itself in the physical, which will result in a sin that will produce death. And oftentimes, that's exactly what emotions do. They manifest themselves in the physical. They end up resulting in sin, and eventually they produce death. We're going to see what God does here. And I actually think that what the first few verses that we see here were God warning Cain. And he missed it. He missed it. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Cain, why are you feeling this emotion? If you're familiar with scripture, you might also be familiar with another verse that uh, uses the word anger. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Or said another way, in your emotion, do not sin. Emotions are not inherently sinful or uh, unsinful. They're amoral. Now, emotions oftentimes produce or manifest themselves in the physical, which ends up resulting in sin, but they themselves are not. Anger, the emotion of anger is not a sin. The emotion of sadness is not a sin. The emotion of despair, of sorrow, of embarrassment, whatever it might be. But oftentimes, they then manifest themselves in the physical. And God notices this right away. By the way, this should also teach us when he looks at Cain and says, why are you angry? That God is intimately connected to your emotional state. He knows your emotions. And he's concerned with them. He cares about them. Why are you filling the blank of that emotion? This is God asking. Why are you sad, sorrowful, joyful? In this case, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? It's now beginning to manifest itself in the physical. His emotion of anger has turned into a fallen face, a face that reflects anger. Some of you know this because when your spouse walks in, the question you ask them most frequently is, why are you angry? 
Or uh, I don't know whose joke this is, but somebody says, are you happy? And they say, yes. And they say, tell your face. You see what God's doing here? See what he's doing here? He's looking at Cain and he's saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Why are you feeling this? Now, why is it turning into this? He goes on. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? I'll, I'll teach on this later. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. But you must rule over it. Now, listen, this is an important biblical concept that we have to understand. And that's this, that our emotions are not an excuse to sin. That is the overwhelming story of Scripture. It's, in, uh, uh, it's all through the Psalms, and it's, uh, it's all through the Scripture. Our emotions, they are not an excuse to sin. Now, we often use them as an excuse to sin. We use them as an excuse to disobey. I mean, this is everything from the, from the, uh, the teenagers who are in love, and, uh, right? And they disobey God's standard on sexuality. It doesn't just have to be teenagers, but right? But this is what we see. And they say, well, we were in love. Two the lashing out of anger or the, uh, the responding uh, in a way because you're embarrassed or threatened or afraid. One author that I read this week said, uh, emotions are the measure of our pleasure. In other words, our emotions, what they often do is they reveal to us what we worship. <laughs> said another way, if the most excited you get is, is, is when you uh, land the deal or when you get the bonus or when uh, you get the raise. If that's, then it reveals something that you're worshiping underneath. On the flip side, if the saddest you get is when the market goes down, it's revealing something. Oh, and we could apply this so many other places. Emotions oftentimes reveal they're, they're these little guidelines, but also I think there's something that God has given us to evaluate. To do exactly what God is doing here. To stop and go, wait, hold on. Why? Why? Keen, why are you angry? Friend, why are you sad? Why are you hurt? Why are you sorrowful? Why are you embarrassed? Why are you this? And why is it not manifesting itself in the physical? I mean, this was just yesterday. I wanted to take Reagan on a walk. Okay, to take Reagan on a walk, I need th two things, right? Well, three things, Reagan. Um, and then the stroller and the chair, right? And um, two of those three things were missing. I didn't know where my baby was. The stroller and the chair were missing. Lindsay had gone to get coffee with some uh, friends, and so she had taken those with her. And I went outside in the car to get the stroller and the chair, and they were not there, and I was angry. This is yesterday morning, right? I preach so I don't become a monster. Okay, and so I'm angry. And I walked in to the house, and I will tell you this, the thoughts and language that I was thinking and wanted to say, let's just say they weren't godly, okay? And I literally said to myself, well, now I'm just going to have to go over my sermon <laughs> on emotions <laughs> and them not leading to sin. And so I stopped and <laughs> repented and thought, my goodness, how quickly 
our emotions can lead to that. How quickly. And I sat there and I said, why am I angry? Because now I don't get to do exactly what I wanted to do. Because now my day is not exactly as I had planned it. Because she is now being an inconvenience. And, uh, right? And I got down to it. And you know what the end result was? My selfishness. See, emotions are not an excuse to sin. But like David teaches us in Psalm 42, 5, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Our emotions are not an excuse to sin, but what they are is a great motivator to stop and to practice the art of heart excavation. Oh, and this is a hard work. This is a very hard work. To stop and to dig down and to really ask the question, why am I feeling this? David does it. And Jesus did it. I think God's doing it here with Cain. In fact, I would say this, that most of the people that we admire in the scriptures were really good at stopping and digging down and asking themselves these questions. Are you? Are you? Why am I hurt? If you do well, he says, will you not be accepted? God was getting at the motive there. He was saying to Cain, by the way, Cain, I do know why you're angry because I know your emotions and I know your motives. Are you willing to dig down and to reveal them to me? If you do well, will you not be accepted? He's saying, Cain, you're angry because you're being rejected. You're being rejected because you were disobedient. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. We must arrive at a place where our emotions no longer dictate or manifest themselves into sin. How do we do this? I do think the first step is we do learn this art of hard excavation. This is the hard work of the gospel. The very hard work. The very hard work of laying out our hearts before God and saying, why God and how does this change? Romans 15, 13. See, there is hope for this. Paul writes at the end of his letter, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. These are emotions. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You may abound in the emotion of hope. God is, uh, Paul is praying at the end. He's saying, may you understand God the Father and may you be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way, may you employ the power of your Holy Spirit that it actually results in a changed emotion. That it's different. That you actually feel differently because of this presence. I mean, 
Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. The very evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives are things that we would mostly classify as emotional. It means in our quest to take our emotions out of the mess. We learn this beautiful art of heart excavation, which is the process of sanctification. It is the process of discipleship, of digging down deep and allowing the gospel to speak into these areas, asking these tough questions, and then saying, and Holy Spirit, I can't rule over these, and so I need you to change me. In fact, I even need you to change the way I feel. See, Romans 6, 11 through 12 says this. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Okay, that stuff we're probably used to. To make you obey its passions. To make you obey its emotions. I think what the scripture is saying is Paul is saying is this, that there is a way where the gospel breaks in, gets deep enough, and then from the bottom begins to change the way we feel. Now, I know some of us are uncomfortable because it's like, like, this is too feely for me. Some people say, it's not about emotion. It's about fact. I was dead in sin. And my Savior, who was perfect, gave his life for me. How can that not be emotional? How can I understand that the way I'm supposed to and not be emotional. The very essence of our salvation is emotional. I have a journal that I use probably during the most up-to-date, the worst season of my life. And in that season of life, I read the Psalms all of the time because they're so highly emotional. And I was looking at that journal. When I say looking at the journal, I mean literally just looking at the journal. <laughs> Didn't even open. I was just looking at it this week as I was preparing for this. And I didn't open it. Here's why I didn't open it. Because I know the moment I open this thing and start to read it, all of those emotions are just going to flood back in. And I was like, I don't want to deal with that right now. But, but just looking at it, he, he reminded me that this truth, that often the times when I am most emotional is always, or oftentimes, the time where I'm also most intimate with the Heavenly Father. 
And I do think that there is probably a portion of us who our emotions are a mess because we have forgotten they exist. And in the same way, we feel disconnected from God, we have also set our emotions aside. If your faith is just a collection of fact, you're missing something. It is more than that. What did Cain need? What did Cain need? I truly believe this was God warning Cain. He was trying to teach him how to deal with it, and Cain missed it. Because the end of the story is Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and then they were in the field. Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. His emotion went unchecked. It manifested itself in sin, and it led to death. By the way, I say all around here all the time, sin always leads to death. This is one of the verses where we draw that conclusion. What did Cain need? What did Cain need? He needed an ability to control his emotions and he couldn't do it. And so here we have in the first story of two brothers, we have an older brother who allowed unmotion to go, emotion to go unchecked and to result in sin. Cain, who was the first of a kind, is replaced by a greater first of a kind. Jesus, the first son of God, in the same way that Cain is the first son of man. Jesus enters in, and Jesus is an older brother. An older brother who knew how to rule over his emotions, though he felt all of them. This is such an important part of our faith. That the emotion that you know, sadness, sorrow, deep pain, jealousy, anger, embarrassment, hurt, Apathy. He knew them all. He knew them all. And unlike the first older brother, Cain, Jesus ruled over them. And so instead of it leading like it did with Cain to death and separation, it leads to life and connection. Now we are told in John 16, 7, that the Holy Spirit in us is greater than Jesus around us. It's a powerful thought. Jesus himself actually says, it is more powerful for you that the Holy Spirit be in you than I be near you. It's better for you that way. I don't think we believe that. I really don't. I think we think if Jesus was here in the present, right in front of me, it would be this. I would be joyous. I would be this. I would be that. It would be fixed. No, not according to Scripture. According to Scripture, the Holy Spirit in you is actually better for you than Jesus standing next to you. And I think that deeply means and matters when it comes to your emotions. 
when it comes to that sorrow, that fear, that anger, that pride, that the Holy Spirit and employing that power inside of you then does produce that list of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, the whole list. So let me close with this. Are you using your emotions as an excuse to sin? Without mitigating your pain or without lessening it in any way, because Christ does not do that. It is not an excuse to sin. So what do we do? We learn the art of excavating your heart. Have you? This is not easy and it is not quick. It is painful. But Psalm 107.9 says, for he satisfies the longing soul, the seat of our emotions, and he fills it with good things. I think that means good emotions. Will you let him do that? David wrote that Psalm near the end of his life. It was a process. And lastly, lastly, have you recognized or employed the power of the Holy Spirit within you to do exactly what Romans 15 said, to produce right emotion? I would suggest or submit, we often don't talk about this in church because it's hard to do. But I believe it is the very work of the Holy Spirit. 